Good evening, folks, and welcome to the first edition of the Cam's Cutoff Podcast presented by KCOU 88.1 FM in Columbia, Missouri, the student voice of the Missouri Tigers. And in our first edition of the Cam's Cutoff Podcast, we have the assistant baseball coach at Lewis University, Zach Larkin, on with us this evening. Zach, how you doing today? Say hello to the folks. Hey, guys. Uh, it's good to have you here, Cam. I, it's been a while since I've seen you, and uh, I got it was a pleasure getting a text message today, and uh, look forward to this. For those who don't know, Zach Larkin was my 16-year summer head baseball coach, and man, has he come a long way. Went to high school in DeSmet Jesuit High School in St. Louis, Missouri, an all-conference player there for three years before transitioning to Truman State University, where he was an all-conference player and captain of the Truman Bulldogs. Got a chance to go to the D2 World Series at some point in his career. I believe it was his senior year, but we'll get to that in just a moment, folks. Zach, we know that you're at Lewis University now. Can you talk to us a little bit about your journey and how you got there? Yeah, well, like you said, I played at Truman State for four years. Luckily enough, things kind of worked out, and I was able to slide into the assistant coach position there right away on Dan Davis's staff for two years. Uh, after last year, I realized I needed a change of scenery. Um, with the budget cuts going on through the higher education in Missouri, uh, baseball took quite a hit at points, and uh, funding became an issue at points. I, I wanted to step outside of my comfort box, try to experience places I'd never been before. Lewis was on the other side of the conference in the Great Lakes Valley, and I figured that I saw the, an assistant position came open, and I figured why not try it. Uh, Coach McDonough, we went through the interview process, and I loved everything I heard. And so I decided to make my way up north, and and I couldn't be happier. Now, how is it, man, being up in that Chicagoland area, knowing that you're a St. Louis Cards fan? How much rip do you get for being a Cards fan up that way? Oh, man, I try to keep it as low as possible without trying to make too big of a scene about it. But these Cubby fans, you've got to weed through who the real Cubs fans are and who the bandwagons are because they are something else. Sorry for any Cubs fans that are listening, but for those who don't know, Zach and I are diehard Cardinals fans, and we will stick by that probably for the rest of our lives. So that's probably not going to change at all. Zach, let's get to a couple of points about you. I, I know that you're a family, and your family has always come first to you and respect the people that have helped you get to where you are. Can you just talk about your story in general, how you got to where you are, whether it was injuries that plagued you, how you overcame those, and then and then the environment that led you to a career in coaching? Yeah, I, I grew up uh, on the north side in the suburbs of St. Louis. And as you know, you're kind of familiar with the area. It's not the greatest place in the world. Uh, growing up as kids, you kind of realize that, hey, it's my goal to make it out of here. Um, I've had a lot of friends that, that weren't as lucky to make it out. And I look back and I'm thankful to be where I'm at. And you nailed it right on the head. Family's a huge part. Um, and that isn't just immediate family. That goes to everybody that's helped me get to where I am today. Uh, you, you don't rise up in positions and you don't get to where you are in life without help from a lot of people. Uh, regardless of how much perseverance one might have, you're always going to need help along the way. Uh, so credit to my mom, my dad, all the coaches I've had, my little brother. Uh, it's awesome. So I, in high school, I went to the cement, like you said, and I played under Greg Vitello. Uh, his son, Tony Patel, is right now the head coach over at Tennessee in the SEC. Um, so I had great coaches right from the get-go in high school. Uh, I was kind of put on that right path. Uh, I had a, a few options out of, uh, out of high school where I wanted to go play college ball. And for me, 
my biggest goal was I wanted to play. I wasn't worried about the program or the schooling. Look at back, looking back at it, which I look at it and it's kind of foolish, but all I wanted to do was play. Uh, every guy's got a timeline of when they're going to be done. And for me, I realized that, Hey, I was a right-handed hitter as a middle infielder, six foot, nothing too toolsy to where I knew that I probably had four years left. And so for that, I wanted to play. So I went to Truman state uh, in Kirksville, Missouri, and I got to play for four years under Dan Davis. I played four years exclusively. I, like you said, I battled an injury. Uh, I tore my labrum in the middle of my sophomore year, but I was able to play through it. Um, we took our lumps. It was, uh, it definitely wasn't easy at times. Uh, we were, well below 500 my freshman, sophomore year, captivated junior and senior year, senior year, made it to World Series. It was awesome. Um, and then after that, you kind of get to the point of what do you want to do with your life? And, and I definitely decided that coaching is the thing I want to do. Uh, you're always told as a young kid, chase your passion. Um, the coaches that I've been around in my life had have been really big role models for myself. And for that, I wanted to give back the same thing that I was given throughout my entire childhood. So the, the decision was pretty easy. I was always, you're always told when you always ask older coaches, Hey, what's your number one piece of advice? They always tell you, get out while you still can. Um, it's not always easy. It's a grind. We're definitely not in this for the money. We do it because we love being around 17 to 22 year olds on a daily basis. Um, and for me, it all goes back to my upbringing. You care about others and everything will be right in the world. So relationships are hugely important um they they were instilled with me as a very young age and they've kind of carried over to to where i am now absolutely absolutely thanks for giving the fans a little perspective into kind of what led you to where you are you touched on a couple of points that i want to get to a little later down the road but one that i want to get to right now and that was at d2 world series in Cary, north carolina um you know i know you guys started off the season that year as you know us and myself and so many others walked so closely um, to see a home hometown kid in, in, a, in a home state school make it that far in the D2 World Series. But, you know, what type of feelings and emotions came to you at what seemed to be the pinnacle of your collegiate career? Oh, I guess the two words that, that come to mind are awe and fulfillment. Um, it was shocking. I'll be the first one to admit it. My freshman year and sophomore year, we want to combine 29 games. My senior year, we won 37, set the school record, um, made it to World Series. So for the, the, that fact alone, I was awestricken. Uh, I kind of sat there and the other group of seniors that had stuck it out uh, with me on the entire journey, we look back and we still talk about, like, it's incredible what we did. I don't think that people understand how surreal that it was because of the lack of scholarships, the lack of funding, where Truman's located, the academic prestige around the school. Um, it, was, it was absolutely incredible. Um, but it was fulfilled. Like I said, the, the group of guys that we had, for all the lumps that we've taken, we wanted nothing more than to just be successful. Um, and going into that season, I think we knew that it was going to be a better season. I don't think any of us had any idea that it was going to lead and culminate to making a final eight. Um, but hey, it, it was the most incredible experience in my life, and it's something that that I look on, and um, it adds on to my passion. And I'm forever grateful for the opportunity that I was given. Now, with you at the at the D two level, you know you understand kind of how scholarships alluded to it there. Division one scholarships at about eleven point seven baseball scholarships 
um, you know, is, is their max with a, uh, a max of 27 players on the roster getting those scholarships. Now it kind of trickles down in different ways um, at the Division II level. The NAI level is completely different as they're a different sanctioning body. And then Division Three level, you can only receive academic scholarships. Um, and, and so, you know, how does that, as a coach now, um, how, how does that affect the type of players that you can recruit and how does it have to allow you guys as a staff to be strategic when you go out and get guys? Oh man, like the D2 level, we're allowed nine scholarships. Uh, now we don't have the roster limitations that the division one schools have. Um, but nine scholarships are for fully funded programs. What individuals don't understand in the game um, that aren't familiar with college baseball is not many schools have nine scholarships. There are very few programs, especially here in the Midwest and the North, to where baseball is not a fully funded um, sport. With that being said, for instance, where I'm at right now, we're right around six. So we get six of that nine. So we have to be spot on with our recruitment. Um, you don't have the luxury to miss on a guy and put fifteen, twenty thousand dollars into a guy and for them to either not fit in culturally, culturally or for them to not perform up to our expectations. So there's a little bit added pressure on us to we've got to be 100% sure on who we're getting in. What puts a twist in that is the guys you want, all the coaches out there know you don't always get them. You very rarely get them. Um, I've been keeping track for the three years that I've been in a kind of a recruiting role, and it's something like 10%. If I go out and I watch 100 kids play, I might be in touch with 10 of them. Out of those 10, I'll be lucky to get five. Um, so it makes it difficult. You're not only looking for guys that you believe are going to fit in with your culture and succeed, but you're to the point where if you miss on it, it can put you back in a far way. Um, so it definitely puts added pressure on us, but I think that's the fun of it. I mean, we're always out there. You see the same guys over and over every weekend out. We're looking at the same guys, and it's a little bit of an internal battle. You're always trying to find a, a way up to win a recruit, to win a recruiting battle. Um, but it's fun. I want to have it any other way. But the dynamic of the scholarship to Division Two level is very interesting. Now you've got to go from one school to a, and a lot of things change, whether it's culture, whether it's leadership and things like that. Now that you're at Lewis, what does the philosophy look like from a coaching perspective? And then what is the type of culture that you bring guys into? What do you have to look at and have to have out of some of your recruits for them to be a good fit at Lewis? Man, it, it's, it varies year by year because you're always looking to bring in new guys. Now for our culture, culture is pretty much a mainstay. Um, we have three standards in the program that we try to adhere to um, not only ourselves as coaches, but that we try to implement with guys. Um, their hustle, be on time, and care. They're very open-ended. It doesn't take much God-given ability to do all three. And if you do all three successfully on a baseball field, you'll be pretty successful. But if you do all three in life, you're going to be pretty successful as well with that. Um, so we look for guys that, that are kind of gritty. We want guys that haven't had things handed to them in their entire life, that they want to work a little bit extra harder, that they've got that intrinsic motivation um, and that drive to, to succeed not only for themselves, but for the good of the program. Uh, we're living in a day and age now to where with high school summer baseball, and all these Twitter and social media platforms to where we're in a very individualized world. And we look at it in the sense of, okay, 
these guys have had four years plus now of being individualized. And I don't want to say baby because there's not, not everyone is baby, but it's a word that gets thrown around at times to where they don't know what it's like to play for a team or to play with a group of guys and for a group of guys, because they're trained to play for themselves, to get that scholarship, to move on to the next level. Um, That's why we love recruiting high school baseball games because in a high school game, you're playing for a little bit more than what you are in a summer game. Now, there are some summer teams out there that they really care about winning that tournament, and, and those are commendable. But how often in a summer game are you seeing guys lay down a bunt that are getting really jacked up in a close game, in a one-run game, and that they walk somebody off? Like, yeah, it's fun, but does it have as much meaning as that game in high school to where that can send you to a sectional or to a quarterfinal or to a state championship? So we're always looking for little intricacies that that can really kind of separate guys from one another. I always tell um, recruits that I meet and when I'm talking at showcases and camps that, hey, I don't come out here looking for reasons to recruit you. I'm coming out here looking for reasons not to recruit you. If I see you walking on the field, if I see you throwing your helmet, if I see you celebrating a double when your team's down 11 nothing, like those are all – potential red flags for me because I want guys that are selfless that are looking to play as hard as they can to play the game the right way and and kind of just be be normal I I mean that's a very bad term to put it as but I don't want the superstar out there that thinks he's better than everybody else I want the kid that hey he's going to put his head down and he's going to work hard every time and you know that he's going to care about you himself and the program more than anything else Absolutely. And, um, you know, being a guy that, that, that had to play on multiple teams where, you know, you got to string things together when you don't have, you know, the most talent. And I, I've played on a lot of teams that haven't had the best talent, but were able to win because we were able to, to buy in. And I think um, maybe those were some of the phrases that you were looking for and some of the phrases that, that need to be used a little bit more with a lot of these kids that are playing college ball and, and kids that are playing high school ball now that are tr- looking to transition to colleges there's got to be a total buy-in and you've got to buy in on many different levels. And I think that comes in the classroom that comes with culture. And then that comes on the field. Uh, you know, I, I think that um, to your point, you know, a lot of, a lot of kids now don't understand that buy-in and, and buying into, you know, a, a certain amount of pillars and a certain standard um, that needs to be upheld, you know, on a daily basis in, in college programs. So, um, you know, glad to see that you guys are doing it there at Lewis and, and, um, you know, I feel like it's a great way to go about coaching because I know that a lot of people have different coaching philosophies. Um, and that leads me to my next question. Um, you know, you see a lot of different types of coaches. You see the players coach that um, is always cool with the players and, and knocks them on the head and, and kind of jokes around a little bit in the dugout. But then you see some other coaches that are a little bit more abrasive and, um, you know, expect players to follow their lead to a T um, and, and do everything that they say when they say it. Now, I, I do understand that there's a certain perspective to both of those, but is it a mix of both in your coach, coaching philosophy? What do you feel like works? Oh, man, that's the answer that I'm searching for is why I'm a young coach. Um, I think that that's what I'm consistently learning from not only the coaches I've coached under, but coaches I meet. Um, there, I don't think there's a right answer. Um, it's kind of you have to tailor it to the kind of guys you have. There's, there's times to where you're going to have guys to where – okay, yeah, they're going to need you to kind of be the leader. At the end of the day, there's going to be teams to where, hey, 
they they really don't need you there there's an interesting quote that that i kind of base my philosophy on and that i'm kind of leaning towards is that hey bad teams nobody leads average teams coaches lead great teams players lead so with that going back to the philosophy part if if a great team is where the players lead the players have to be put in an environment to where they can lead. So if I'm constantly, if I'm going to be the one man show, I'm hindering these guys in that, I guess, in their abilities to, to grow. And so I want to be there for them. I want to care about them and I want to help them with any problems that they have on and off the field. I, at the end of the day, I'm developing these kids, not only to be good baseball players, but to good, to be good husbands to be good fathers to be good sons like I'm, I'm developing them to be good people at the end of the day um so there's a lot more that goes into that and so yeah i can be buddy buddy with a guy but if i have to get on a guy i'm gonna do so um so there is an absolute fine line i think if you find somebody that has the answer please put them my way because i think that's what all young coaches and i think that's what all elder, elderly coaches are doing is hey where's that balance lie um, and it's definitely an individual preference and it's trial by error. So I, I don't know if there's a right or wrong, but I do think that experimentation is good. And Hey, if it works, keep going with it. If it's not, you got to change things up, but, but that's kind of where I stand. I'll do what I can, Zach. I don't know if I know as many coaches <laughs> that have, have the best perspective like you have, but um, I, you know, I'm sure you'll figure it out soon. And, and you know, I think, a lot of people talk about experiences and I think you're a picture perfect example of how experiences help mold the person. And I think, you know, that's what you continue to do. And, and what continues to have me at all is that you continue to, to go through experiences and, and seek new opportunities that allow you to get those experiences to allow you to learn, because there's a lot of people who want to be stagnant and, and are, are, and are okay with being in the position that they are because it feels comfortable. It feels easy. You get into routine and, um, you know, I think that's what makes and breaks the great from the mediocre in this game. And I, you've seen it so many times with so many different guys. You know, I, I think that's the way to go about it. And, and kudos to you for doing that. Well, thank you. A couple more topics here before we let Zach go on this Tuesday evening. Um, you know, Zach, as we shift away from the college game a little bit, it's July 10th, and it's almost ready for the MLB All-Star break. Um, there was a couple of um, different things that came out in the past couple of days concerning the All-Star break. You got the rosters that came out. You got the snubs that came out. Um, I don't want to put you on the spot here, but if you can think of a couple of guys who you feel like, you know what, they really got snubbed on this thing, please let me know because I'm in awe of some of the selections that are, that are on these rosters this year. Oh, man. Um being the Cardinals guy, I mean, Yadier Molina, it's hard to leave him off an all-star game. He has, he's having a great year. I'm always a guy that numbers back things up. I'm not a big fan of playing the favorites or the big name, or if you're a big market team, I don't like that a big market team has the advantage of getting their guys in on the, the fan votes rather than the most deserving guys. I mean, I, I believe Yadier's missed like 15 or 20 games and his, batting average, everything, almost every offensive statistical category is better than Wilson Contreras. Now, that's not to take anything away from Contreras. Being in Chicago, I get to watch that guy play all the time. That dude is an all-star as well. Like, there, there's no doubt about that. There's three all-star catchers in the NL. 
Buster Posey, Yadier Molina, and Wilson Contreras. And every year, you're fighting for that. It happened out this year, I think, now that Yadier's going to replace Posey because of an injury. And so it all ends up working itself out. But um, Blake Snell was another one. He's a young guy in Tampa. I mean, Tampa's not a big market. You see the place that they play in. They're not drawing huge crowds. But Blake Snell is disgusting. I, I challenge anybody that that hasn't seen the guy pitch, turn on MLB TV one day, turn on the Rays game when Blake Snell's pitching, and you will be satisfied. That left-hander's breaking ball paired with the fastball, he's something else. He's a prospect that I think he's on the rise. I believe, I don't know, I don't have exact numbers in front of me, but, I mean, the guy's ERA, um, I believe, is lowest in the AL. How do you leave that guy off an all-star game? It's an interesting process. I think the process is flawed, but at the end of the day, fans want to see their favorite players and the big name guys are going to make it in. I mean, Bryce Harper's hitting 215, but hey, it's in Washington and he's Bryce Harper. So you're probably going to let that guy in. Right. Absolutely. And for those who don't know, Blake Snell with 0.09 ERA, 12 and four on a very lackluster Tampa Bay Rays team this year. He's averaging just over a strikeout an inning with 132 Ks on the year and 116 innings pitched and has held opponents to below a 200 average at 183. I don't know how you keep the Southpaw roster. Those are Cy just Young a quick note. numbers. Absolutely. They really are. It's, it's crazy to, to think that um, that guy didn't make the roster, but, you know, tough, tough pickings. Um, just so folks at home know, earlier today it was reported by ESPN – that Buster Posey will be out of this all-star game with an injury. So Yadier Molina has been put on the NL roster as the catcher in place of Buster Posey. So congrats to Yadier. He's got that all-star appearance again. And to your point about Yadier Molina, he's having some of his best offensive numbers since he was third in NL MVP voting back in 2013. There's no reason he should have been left off the roster as many home runs as Wilson Contreras in Chicago and he has hit I believe half of those home runs over the last 25 30 games I mean absolutely ridiculous surge for Yachty leading up to the all-star break so two one last thing before we wrap things up with assistant baseball coach Zach Larkin of Lewis University Zach with the changes in the collegiate game and, and so many different metrics coming on and you know the watching of pitchers and the injuries and the different hitting philosophies that are coming on. You've got the Twitter gurus. You've got the Facebook gurus. You've got the guys who just spit videos out and have no idea what they're talking about. And then you've got some guys who do know what you're talking about. How do you try to manage that at the collegiate level? You know, when as a hitter and as a pitcher, it's so mental and so individual that sometimes you don't need the outside noise to just get in the box or get on the mound and do your job. That, that's another challenging question just like the one that you phrased with which coaching style and approach is best. I mean, we're in a world now, I think that baseball is in one of the best places it's ever been. Um, regardless of if guys are throwing crap out there or if it's Twitter gurus or if it's hitting gurus or arm care velo, whatever it may be, it shows that people are starting to care about baseball. There is so much information out there. I mean, my challenge to any young player, high school guys, or even junior high guys, guys that are looking to play college baseball, even the college guys that are aspiring to play pro baseball, do your homework. 
literally sit down and watch baseball on TV, read all those articles and decide for yourself what works. One thing that I always tell our guys is I'll see something on Twitter. I'll bring it to our guys. I'll be like, Hey, what do you think about this? And I open it up to them and they pick out what they like and what they don't like. And we, we, we experiment around with it of, okay, Hey, you're a guy that you see that launch angle is a huge thing right now. If you're a guy that your swing allows that to happen, if you're a guy that's body is able to hit fly balls and get them out of the yard to get them over into gaps, hey, let's do it. If you're a guy that's five foot nine, that you're not driving balls like that on a consistent basis, well, let's play to your game, especially at the college level. Like, hey, let's be able to still learn how to bunt. Let's still be able to learn how to hit and run and hit backside. There, I, I'm not, I don't ever have one set theory of, hey, this is how things are done. I am an open book. I am able to experience and like to learn with anything. I think that that that's one thing that I think is crucial to our game now is, Hey, with all the information available, use it, learn, pick out what you like, pick out what you don't like. Try something. If it works, go with it. If it doesn't flush it, try something else. Um, so yeah, I've had that battle of like, man, what do I believe in? Cause there's going to be times to where you're going to have to start deciphering. Okay. What is right? What is wrong? But until I can come to that conclusion, I just got to keep learning and growing from what I do know. And if I see something that works, I can only use, like you said, the experiences I have, uh, the relationships that I have, and the constant knowledge that is available to me. Absolutely, Zach. Well, we do thank you for joining us on the first edition of Off Podcast presented by KCOU 88.1 FM in Columbia, Missouri the student voice of the Missouri Tigers. We want to thank Zach Larkin for joining us again today. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at cams underscore cutoff for all the updates on the show and the podcast. The show will be coming to you for the first time for the KCOU studios in Columbia, Missouri on Wednesday, August 22nd from 7 to 8 a.m. Start your morning off with host Cam Thomas, myself on KCOU 88.1 FM in Columbia, Missouri. Zach Larkin, thanks so much for joining us today. Good luck to you here in the next couple of months as you get ready for the start of the fall semester. Thanks, Cam, and good luck to you and all your endeavors. For all those listening, hey, Cam is one of the most motivated and driven young men I've got the pleasure to be around. I have no doubt that this show is going to take off. Kudos to you, Cameron. Thanks, Zach. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Take it easy.